Our Father, we thank you again for the many blessings that you've given to us. Thank you for the chance to be together and learn more about helping your kids. Now we ask that you'll send your Holy Spirit so that the people here can hear what you have to say, not the words that I use. We ask this in thy name. Amen. So our topic today is communication. So what is communication? A lot of times we're going to assume that somebody's lips are moving, that communication is taking place. But realistically, it does involve more than talking. Uh, it's, there's also the receiving and listening end of things. It's a twofold process. Uh, to this, we need to add understanding. Uh, frequently, we think we understand what someone's saying, but sometimes what we hear isn't necessarily what they meant. We'll get into that a little bit later. We're first going to look at five different levels of communication. And we'll look at each one of these individually. This, the shallowest level, the first one is small talk. This is the how are you, what have you been doing? Hey, how's it going? You know, this kind of stuff. And if communication just stays here, well, you're not going to get anywhere. But this can be an opening to other things and um, different cultures uh, will, re and this is coming from an American context, okay? Uh, I had one of the gals in my club in Lansing who is, she's German and uh, she's better at German than English, but her English is pretty good. Um, but she is a German and when she first came to America, she was just amazed when people would say, hi, how you doing? And she thought they were actually asking. They really wanted to know, how are you? And it took her a while to figure out that they weren't looking for an extended response. Um, too often, this is what we end up with. I'm sorry, I know I said hi, but I really wasn't prepared for any follow-up conversation. Well, let's face it, sometimes when you ask some people how they're doing, you end up with an organ recital. Uh, and most of us aren't looking for that. There are times that we are, but at any rate, first level is this, is this shallow stuff. Factual conversation. At this level, information is shared, but there's no personal comments along with it. Uh, you're gonna find a lot of this in the workplace, and this, this is very important stuff that, that needs to be done. Um, typically, men are more apt to settle for this than women uh, because a lot of guys don't want to express their feelings and, and get into this deeper stuff, and they're more than content to talk about this factual stuff. Um, Ideas and opinions. So here's where we're starting to actually open up and, and let people know us a little bit more. Uh, some, and some people are very reticent to do this until they get to know somebody a little bit. But um, that's what this is, this is about. Feelings and emotions. Now here is a little bit different spot than the other ones because a lot of guys really don't want to get into this one unless it deals with the sport that they're interested in. 
I'd say it's important to a lot of the times because yeah. they feel judged by other women. Yes. Um, I know a friend of mine just the other night, she was saying, oh, she has three, four, she has five kids all together here, under 11. And she said that the younger three had to go take a shower. You know, and she was thinking, oh, I have to take a shower. You know, we're talking and enjoying, the kids were enjoying. And then she said, yeah, and then she said, you know, I said to her, I said, you know what? I bring the waves to you. <laughs> I just love the fact that you're so open <laughs> and she really, you know, that I say things that make it normal or that, you know, there's the ideal and there's the real. Yes, yes, we live in a real world. We do not, you know, if, if we are faithful, we'll get to see the Garden of Eden. Yes. But... In the meantime, this is the planet we're on. And uh, on that exact point, so um, I think you were the one that was talking about exercise. How do you log it and stuff? Was it, somebody was wondering how to log. Yesterday, somebody was. At any rate, I brought, this is the book I use. Just a simple notebook that I found thrown away somewhere and I ripped out the pages that were scribbled in, but I just scribble in what I do. And so if I were needing to do this, I would photocopy pages and stick them in there. Anyway, uh, I, there's stuff that comes in on this thing periodically, news items that it, it says you might be interested in this. And I clicked on this one, what to do if your gym doesn't have a shower. And because I was curious, what are they going to offer? Because guess what? Sometimes kids go on campouts that don't have showers. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? Okay, so basic here, short version is they, can, they said, put some wipes in your gym bag. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that can be done. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a simple solution. It's low-tech. Uh, but we live in a real world. Now, how much you're going to need them is going to depend on how big a group you've got, the age of your kids, if you've got uh, mostly friends and companions and, and heavily uh, leaning it to the boy side. Uh, they aren't going to be looking to use them a lot, and you might need to encourage their use. It I have observed through the years that the younger ones typically tend to get dirtier than the older ones. And the younger ones are less concerned about getting dirty than the older ones. Uh, so, but let's face it, some of the older kids, uh, when, when they start becoming teens, be, become a lot more worried about these things. And so it's a simple thing to do to, to have some wipes and uh, you can throw out the idea to them, hey, you may want to throw some wipes in, in, your, uh, in, in your duffel bag uh, just to clean up with a little bit. Uh, so you do that in your tent as you're getting dressed. Uh, simple thing to add. But yeah, you, you're right. A lot, a lot of people today, I, I think more so in this age of social media, we judge people more often. Uh, there are more people being more critical of people than they used to be. Um, and, and as a result, some people... Uh, there are some people who are, are going to just plain be a lot more in your face about it. And the other people are, are just going to, they're going to retreat. 
because they don't like it. Um, so, uh, when you are in a situation where you do end up sharing more feelings and emotions, uh, if it is a shared experience, typically this will draw people together. Uh, you mentioned going to Oshkosh, uh, brother-in-law and, and, and his wife um, were at an Oshkosh. And um, his wife commented afterwards, she noticed that the kids who went on that were closer. They were, something about that pulled them together more. You're together and give, like for us, for eight hours or whatever, <laughs> yeah. But, but you're also sharing all the rest of it together, too. And, and they probably had to work together to do stuff to get there. So sometimes you gain, you gain, gain flashes of insight into your friend's character that will give you a better idea of how they feel and, and think. Um, a good combination is to alternate between the levels of ideas, opinions, feelings, and emotions, not just staying there. Deep insight isn't going to be happening real often, realistically. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that makes deep impressions on both people. Um, so, we send, spend about 70% of our waking hours in communication. Somebody, I, don't, I don't know who figured this out, but uh, between speaking, listening, reading, and writing, and about a third of this, for many people, is devoted to talking. Hey, there are people here who are thanking me for the binders. Here's the guy you thank for the binders. And, and thanks for, the hand, for helping out on the handouts. I appreciate it. Got those. Um, did you have any announcements you wanted to make to these master guides? No, I was great. I'm glad to see so many of them here. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, And there, there's another guy who was here, but he had taken this one, but he'll be back later. Oh, yeah, very good. Excellent. So, yeah, thank you. We have, uh, we have this. Guys, I thought you were already We've started ten times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, master guides is, obviously, he's probably already explained, but it's really an important aspect youth ministry, children's ministries, and youth ministries. You don't have your master card? That's what we talked about. Right? Yeah. Is this old time or is it yeah. not old time? It's long time. <laughs> but, um, and so we're thankful to have as many people that are trained to lead our young people. And actually, it's not just the young people, actually the staff that are around you and stuff, it actually is an adult training program as well. We are good teachers, the young people are teachers, the young adults as well. So. Thank you to Dave. I didn't get a chance to introduce him when I think I was out and about somewhere. And, That's okay. Uh, I up, it was 6 o'clock and all the classes were gone. So thankful for him. And uh, he's been a long time area coordinator for us in Minnesota and different places. So thank you. I have a no, no. Uh, excellent, excellent question. Thank you for... So, 
Uh, all of this stuff in these cards does not have to be taught by a master guide. Okay? Um, yeah, and I think you're the one that, that, that alluded to something that some, sometimes people take classes in child development and uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, you're t most of the people who will sign off for CPR are not master guides. Okay? But their signature is still valid if they're qualified to teach it. You know? And I don't know anybody that's trying to teach CPR that isn't certified in it. You know? Uh, those that do that, I know, have to do a refresher on that every three years, I think. I'm not positive on that. But uh, there are some EMTs that are qualified to teach. They're all supposed to be qualified to do, but not all, I believe, are qualified to teach it. That's, that's something else. But uh, good, excellent question. Yeah, you, getting stuff uh, signed off on your cards if you find a, a course somewhere else um, at work, um, maybe in a um, uh, community uh, education kind of thing, in first aid or whatever, go do it. Go do it. Have them sign it off. And they're going to, well, what's this? And you can say, oh, hey, our church has this really cool uh, leadership development program, and I'm privileged to be a part of it. And, and this is one of the requirements for that. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and, hey, would you be interested in Bible studies? You know, or, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, you, you don't have to hit them quite that hard. But you know, it's surprising. Um, there's a lot of folk out there, okay? And, and we know something that a lot of them are looking for. They don't all know it yet. <coughs> Some of them don't know what they're looking for, but a lot of them are looking and know they're looking for something, but don't know what. Okay, moving on. The avenue of speech can go beyond just the exchange of words of information. We can express our feelings and our, our emotions. Sometimes doing this will help clarify and re reinforce our own ideas. I remember reading a story about Abraham Lincoln during the war. Um, called for a friend to come uh, help him figure out this. Uh, he was facing some decision or another. I don't know which one. But um, that whoever it was came and they sat down together and President Lincoln talked to him for about three hours. And the guy just listened. And by the end of that time, by stating it out loud, the different aspects of whatever the problem was, he was able to see it. But he needed somebody who would be willing to listen to him and not judge, not jump in and tell him, well, you need to do this or whatever. Uh, sometimes just it can help clarify our thinking and reinforce ideas. Uh, a lady I used to work with, um, when her father passed away, she remembers, you know, obviously at a funeral, lots of people come up and give them condolences and whatnot. She said this one lady came up to her and just hugged her. And she said she remembered that more than what everybody else had said because she could feel the genuine, you know, love from her. And this lady didn't even have to say anything. Just, you know, embracing her and hugging her for you know, a few minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know, the lady didn't say anything, but her action of 
hugging her and just holding her, you know, while this lady, you know, cried. But, you know, meant more to her than maybe some words. Yeah. Sometimes having a conversation is a way of passing the time, getting to know one another. Um, we've all done it, right? <laughs> the, really, the most basic function of speaking isn't the giving of information, but establishing of relationship with others. The quality is going to depend on the ability of each person to express themselves freely. And like you said, sometimes people will have barriers and are, don't really want to share themselves. Um, I get about, I think it's three emails a day from uh, organizations that are wanting me to uh, buy ebooks at discounted prices and they're discounted for a brief period of time. And so I have the opportunity if I want to buy a lot of trash, but periodically uh, they have some good stuff. Once in a while there's a freebie that's worth getting. Sometimes they have freebies that I don't want. Um, but I picked up uh, one that I started when I was waiting for the blood drive. I, did, I didn't get as far into it as I wanted and have been busy since then, but it's on communication, and one of the, the, what I will share that I remember from that is one of the, when you meet somebody, among the things that you need to do is look at that person as someone who has value. And what is it about them, what, what is it about them that you can learn, that you can help them, you can learn from them, um, but where, where is the value? What is it that the Lord sees in? They didn't say this in the book, but you, we understand the Lord looks at everyone with, with, as, as being very valuable. And so if we can learn to look at that part of somebody, sometimes it makes it a lot easier to get into a little deeper and have a higher quality conversation. Um, Sometimes, when people are talking, it's not really because they have a lot to say. Um, and, I, yeah, just talking to talk. And sometimes these can promote that. So I remember my wife commenting that um, our daughter had moved out to Iowa and taken a job out there. And, uh, oh, you're going to like this. So she's in Iowa working for a diving company. <laughs> Who would expect a diving company? And, and we're talking hard hat diving in, uh, based out of Iowa. Who would have thunk it? But uh, she had a uh, 25, 30-minute drive into work every day. And so when she was driving, Susie would call up mom and talk to her. You know, because Susie had nothing else to do. She out there to drive down the road. And sometimes Deb did. Uh, it, does that happen to anybody else? Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're going to look at a few of the barriers to effective speech. Um, 
One is the solution sender. They're going to weigh down their speech with orders, directives, and commands. Get over here. Hurry up. Uh, sometimes there'll be warnings and threats more than solutions. If you ever do that again, I'll, or don't you know enough to? Hopefully that's not heard a lot in your Pathfinder clubs. Let's face it, some of our kids do need a little inspiration once in a while, but hopefully that's not quite how we do it. Uh, a lot of us really don't want to be told that we must, should, or, or had better, and our kids are the same way. There are some that resort to put-downs in spite of the fact that none of us like to be put down, but some of them are going to judge and criticize. That's not a bad idea considering you thought of it or this kind of stuff. You only say that because, and you know, these may be attempts to teach and instruct, but they're not the best. They're not the most effective. Then there's the corrector. You know, somebody's trying to tell a story to everybody else, and but they this is somebody that has to get all the facts straight. Well, we left on Sunday. I think it was Thursday night just before the Okay, we left Thursday right after we got home. No, it was later that evening. Well, anyway, we left and drove straight. You ever met the, one of those people? Yeah. <laughs> So, correctors seem to have a compulsion to concentrate on proper reporting. Sometimes it's just an attempt to draw attention to self, and they show a lack of sensitivity to the fact that different people are always going to tell the story different ways. How many Gospels do we have? Four. Are they all the same? No. Why not? Yeah. They each have had different perspectives. Here's a little cartoon showing the adventures of Grammar Man. So we'll, we'll, we'll classify this one as a corrector, right? Okay. Now, this is, when I spotted this uh, on uh, the Book of Faces, I grabbed this picture because I think this is a really, really nice illustration of how different, if you're in a different position, you can see something totally different from somebody else, and you're both seeing accurate, something accurately. Looking at it from one side, we have somebody seeing a square or a rectangle. Somebody else is seeing a circle. But what do we see? It's a cylinder. Okay, monologuers. These are the people that they need to talk and they, they want to have the last word. Uh, and they can't bear to be corrected and they frequently have a know-it-all attitude. Typically, they tend to bore others and they will cut themselves off from forming close attachments. Um, that's just something that they do. I was once in a uh, Friday night uh, reading, we were reading through the Great Controversy. And, you know, we you'd go through about a chapter a week kind of thing, you know. And I don't know how many of you have ever done that, but once, once in a while, it's easy to get sidetracked in, as when you're discussing something about this. And 
Um, we had a monologuer in the group, and I remember him uh, talking about how the Catholics have taken out one of the um, commandments out of their Bible. And I says, no, they haven't. Yes, they have. We had to do a version. Pulled it out, turned to Exodus 20. Guess what? It reads pretty close to what the King James does. It really does. The Douay version. It, it, they have the same Ten Commandments in the same order that we have them in. In their Bibles. Okay, in their Bibles. Now, they, are, they don't promote the study of the Bible generally. I'm talking about the Catholic Bible. Okay. okay? So, we showed this guy that in the Catholic Bible, yes, we, they, they don't teach this, but in their, in their Bible, it's still there. And about a month or so later, he brought up the same point how the Catholics have taken it out of their Bibles. Guess what? This is a way to cut yourself off from forming close attachments because his nickname at work was Mr. Know-it-all. Oh, yes. Here's another barrier to communication, the silent treatment, uh, where silence is used as a weapon or a form of control. Um, I think it's sometimes used more by women than men, uh, not always. Um, when we were dating, my wife got upset with me about something and tried it and discovered I had, didn't even notice. So she figured that, okay, not going to use that. Some of us can be very content without a lot of conversation. Some people need a lot going on. Sometimes when a guy is silent, uh, it's not limited to guys, but sometimes things will, can start to be boiling and rumbling inside. And it's gonna depend a little bit on your temperament. And, and some, if you're a melancholy, some of, these, some of us can get really good at ruminating on things we shouldn't. Uh, maybe it's because somebody didn't listen the last time, or maybe somebody is deeply hurt. Um, and this can happen in our churches. So we uh, need to, obviously, it's hard to keep a close touch on everybody in a congregation unless it's really small. But be, be aware of the fact that sometimes some people are really quiet because they've been hurt and we need to find out how we can help them. So let's look at some things that work. Choose the right time to communicate with your friend. I remember years ago, we lived 200 miles from my wife's family. Uh, all the rest of her family lives within five miles uh, they're, they're just close to, to the home. 
And so she says, I'm the black sheep because I moved away. Well, guess who took her? Um, uh, guilty, but I'm glad I have her. Um, anyway, so we're getting ready to go down to visit. We'd have to go down every, at one point we were going down probably every month and a half or so. We go down to visit, it's 200 miles, so it's not a real dreadful trip. Uh, about four hours, we figured. But when you've got three or four kid, young kids getting everything loaded in the car and all the people in the car can be a project. And sometimes, for various reasons that are happening at the other end, you need to be there by a certain time. And you can't be there if you don't leave by a certain time. And that's just sort of how this stuff works. And so it was one of those times where we knew we needed to leave by X and we're at X plus. And trying to get everybody piled in and all the stuff in. And uh, my oldest son is in the car. He says, Dad, Dad! And I, there's this urgency in his voice. And I'm wondering, what is the emergency? And I found out what it was. And I don't remember if it was Performance Bicycle or Nash Bar, but one of the two companies had some really neat bicycling equipment that was on sale. And the sale was good for about a week or so. And, and it was urgent then. <laughs> yes, it was, but however, this wasn't the time to talk about it. And now, I'll give him credit. The items on his list I had noticed, and, and so he had good taste in, in, in the items, but the timing was the issue, okay? Um, so, and so, so sometimes we, you need to throw out sort of a trial balloon to find out, is this a good time to talk? Uh, there's something we need to talk about. Is this a good time or should we try for another time? Um, and, and go from there. Uh, and, and sometimes uh, are not good times. Um, Pastor Craig and I, he's on the other side of the wall, that's his office. We were in there uh, a bit Sunday sometime or another, uh, Sunday afternoon, and um, we uh, were talking about stuff for this week and looking forward, but we can look forward in other very short, very broad, uh, because we have to get through this week. And, and uh, that's just how it is right now. This is what, now, now come Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, we can maybe talk about it. But you know how, that, that, how it is. Got to have the right time. Need a pleasant tone of voice. Sometimes it isn't what you say, but how you say it that counts. I remember, I don't remember just how it came about, but so uh, about 20, not quite 20 years ago, I'm at work one morning fixing a horn, and um, one of my co-workers that was about this far apart from me said something to me. And, and um, something about how he said it struck me a little bit funny. And before long, we ended up shouting compliments back and forth at each other, trying to outdo the other one with compliments. 
But what other people heard was yelling. And so it was interesting um, because uh, we had like sort of like similar to, we had work cubicles, sort of, uh, very, very open. But I could look over the top and I saw some people from, from the, the sales counter that started coming around the corner to find out what all the commotion was about. Um, long ago, uh, I remember going to visit my mom's folks. And my grandma always said, he's so deaf. But guess what? He was deaf, but he heard a lot more than she did. <laughs> and I discovered, and it took me the longest time to figure out what is going on. But we, Deb and I would go visit them. And it wasn't real often, and they'd like it, you know, because we had a grandson, and we'd take him and visit, and, and you know, so. But it seemed like every time when we left, I was all worked up, and I was just about mad. And what is it about it? I mean, these are nice people. They've been good to me. What's going on? Till I read it, came across something in... Um, it was an industrial publication, and they were dealing with noise in an industrial setting and some of the re, uh, responses to that, and come to find out if people are in a loud environment and or pe if it's loud enough where people have to talk real loud so that they can be heard, all of a sudden, uh, some people get angry, not because of what is being said, but just because of the tone of voice being raised and all that kind of stuff. What does Proverbs say about a soft voice? Yeah, I think he knew what he was talking about when he wrote that. <coughs> Be clear and specific. A lot of times people just aren't good at at really saying what needs to be said and they will speak in vague generalities and they'll circumambulate the shrubbery. You know, they're beating around the bush, not getting right to the point. Um, one of the, uh, if you're a Pathfinder director, you're automatically on a church board. And um, we moved to Michigan, and uh, the first year I took, a, I took off Pathfindering. I had a new job and knew everything, and so I, I just stayed out of Pathfinders. I observed that my, I had two kids that were in it, but uh, in the Lansing Capitals, but I wasn't involved. And um, my wife's first job was to find a school for each of her kids. We have four, had four kids, ended up in four different schools which was kind of a challenge. My, my youngest son, uh, my, my youngest is a daughter, and the Lansing uh, Church School was glad to have her. They didn't want my youngest son, however, because he has dyslexia. And they were up front and said, we don't have time to deal with it. And that's honest, okay, so now we can move on. Be, if, they had, if they hadn't said that and would have ignored him, that would not have been good. 
So we needed to find another place for him. And uh, lo and behold, St. John's was um, talking about opening up a school. And uh, we met with the person we thought was going to be the teacher, that they thought was going to be the teacher. And we learned that she had trained, she was a very experienced teacher. She had training in dealing with kids with dyslexia. And she was willing to put in the extra effort to do it. You know, that, that's, if, if you got the training but you don't want to take time to do it, well, that's nice, but let's, we need to keep looking. But she was willing. And um, that year, in eighth grade, he learned how to read. Okay? He still isn't a great reader. Uh, to this day, his teacher and us marvel at his ability to look at when he's reading, uh, reading text, he can come up with, he'll see a word, and he will say a different word that starts with the same letter that means about the same thing. Don't know how he does this, but it works somehow. Uh, at any rate, so we, uh, he's going to school up there, and uh, I figured, okay, if they've got a school that's going to work for my son, I'm going to put my membership there. And so that's where most of my tithe and offering went, uh, although I lived a lot closer to the Lansing Church. Um, <clears throat> my older kids got in with kids in the Lansing Church. And my daughter is going to the, to the school there, so end up mostly going to church there. But there was this work bee uh, for the school uh, in the spring, and my son's going there, and so I'm, I'm up there. And I was trying to hang, re, rehang a, a door in a closet. I later found out that was the Pathfinder supply closet. Okay, didn't know that at the time, but I'm, it, it had gotten ripped off, and I'm trying to get, anyway, the pastor comes up to me and says, uh, Dave, can you come over here for a minute? Okay. Uh, he says, the uh, nominating committee has met, and we're wondering, would you be willing to be one of uh, four uh, people rotating in an adult Sabbath school class? I've taught adult Sabbath school class, enjoyed doing it. He says, sure, glad to do that. Is, uh, we are also wondering, would you be willing to start up the Pathfinder Club? Oh, let me get back to you on that one. And, and so there was some prayer, and, and I met with Elder Dodge and the area coordinator, Mark Sorensen, and then I yielded to temptation and said yes. And uh, so, but, so we start up a Pathfinder Club, my son has graduated from school, but uh, now uh, my youngest daughter is, uh, and, and my youngest son, we're driving up to St. John's every week for Pathfinders. And um, I was there for about three years. Uh, I was a director there for three years. So I'm on the board, but I really didn't attend the church that much. Uh, they did, uh, that first year, they never did have me teach the Sabbath school class. But it came another year uh, where they asked me to be a Sabbath school teacher, 
and superintendent uh, on a rotating basis, and I did both, and I've always thought they'd ask me to do that just to get me to show up. <laughs> and that's fair, okay. So, but I really didn't, I, I got to know some of the folk in the church, but I, not as well as I should have. So I'm, I'm at a board meeting, and I always showed up for board meetings because I'm doing my honest part, right? And usually those took a longer than I wanted because I still had to drive home and, and I had to go to, I got to go to work in the morning. And uh, this one day, uh, we're there for the board meeting and there's the agenda and I noticed, man, we're really getting through stuff. I'm going to get out of here quick. Good deal. All right. And uh, so we got through all of the, uh, there wasn't much for old business. We got through that and we got through the new business. And I thought we were going to about to adjourn. And then all of a sudden I discover ah, there's another item that wasn't written in here. It's called church discipline. I'd never been in on a board meeting with that before. And looking back, I could have saved us probably a half hour because we weren't real clear and specific. We were sort of beaten around the bushes but not really coming out and say, sister so-and-so has done thus and such. There was illusion, but nobody wanted to come out and say it. And if I, and I was really in the, in the perfect position to do it. Looking back, Dave's really good at hindsight. Not so good at in the moment. But hindsight, sometimes I'm really good. Looking back, what I should have done is said, time out, time out. You know, I don't, I'm not here a lot, so I miss a lot of stuff. Now, I need to know, what is it that we're talking about? Let's not beat around the... What is it that we're talking about? If I had done that, we could have saved a half hour at least. Be clear and specific. Be positive. Um, I have been amazed at hearing, uh, I, I've had exposure in some homes uh, that weren't, I wasn't related to, but all of us hearing how communication to, especially to kids, was so negative. And people who, if kids are accustomed to being put down and yelled at, it's, it's not good. And, and our clubs need to be a city of refuge for some of our kids. Be courteous and respectful of your friends' opinions. Sometimes our friends will, will not see things the way we do. Uh, if we look in the, as I read my Bible, uh, Peter and Paul were on the same side. But they weren't good buddies. They weren't close buddies. They had differences of opinion. And they, they each had different life experiences and everything. And so we need to be respectful of other people's opinions and not expect everyone to always agree with us. 
What are the needs and feelings of our friends? Um, sometimes when your friends hurt, you can understand. Now, you, you addressed this real good at that one funeral where somebody just didn't, didn't have a lot of flowery words. They just came up, wrapped their arms around them, and, and that said a lot. Um, some people are, are going to be really good at doing this. Some of us, it's really easy to be oblivious. Not that we try to, but it comes natural. Um, I remember a guy next, uh, lived next door to me in the Dorman Academy. Carson was really, really, really good at getting excited about other people's good news. He was really great at that. And I suspect he has been a really good doctor. Um, develop the art of conversation. Uh, look for chances to develop it. Uh, find interesting topics. Any questions on this part? Are we ready to move on? Moving on. The listening part. Faulty listening, says psych one psychoanalyst, is usually at the root of most communication problems. Sometimes it'll just cause irritation or annoyance, uh, but sometimes when a person is talking about something important, poor listening can have disastrous results. Here's somebody that wasn't listening. <laughs> now, is that, is that directive look like it was difficult to misunderstand? Today we're dealing with a lot of things that we better understand uh, than when I was a kid, that, that were just totally not understood. Um, I mean, literally, I think I had two kids before I ever heard of dyslexia. And I heard of it because my father was diagnosed with it. And my mom was explaining it to me. And in my head, I'm saying, check, 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 check. That's me. That's me. Now, dyslexia, well, I, because we have it in my family, I know more about this one than a lot of, a lot of other challenges. I can tell you that in some gen, my dad had a lot more of it than I do. It was more intense with him than it is with me. Two of my sons, it's much more intense than what I have. 
and that is not uncommon. Um, but I know which of my dad's parents he got it from. Um, and his, his mom didn't have a lot of it. But uh, my dad has cousins that had a lot of it. And it's really amazing. My youngest son has been diagnosed with it. And um, he's dependent. So, you know, he's got that, that characteristic. But um, we have, and since we are working with you, we have an awesome, awesome um, resource in, um, in the Lansing Church, Cinda Osterman. She teaches. <coughs> people with dyslexia how to access the left side of their brain so they can learn to read. And it has been amazing. Come to find out a gal that was in academy when I taught long ago far away. She, with her dyslexia, the only way she could read music is if the middle line, you got five lines, and if the middle one was a different color, then she could figure out, okay, it's above or below that one and figure out, but without that as an anchor, she couldn't really perceive if they're on a space or a line. Um, we have kids today who are on the autism spectrum uh, and uh, different ones have different challenges. Uh, years ago, uh, I sold my piccolo trumpet to a kid, well actually to his parents, but went to a kid uh, in early high school, good trumpet, very for a high school kid, very good trumpet player. And um, he did very well with it. Uh, but as far as the kind of communication that we're going after here, he'll never have it in this world, okay? That's just how it is. Um, these are things to be aware of as, as we work with our kids. Um, a lot of us would rather talk than listen. And uh, we like to talk about our ideas and what we know. Uh, and we're not so interested in giving attention when others are expressing their thoughts. Listening seems like it should be a simple thing, yet... Sometimes listening can be hard work. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we really aren't interested in listening to what somebody else has to say. Um, so you may find yourself on, at least I've at times been a bored listener because I've heard what this person has to say before and, and you kind of think, okay, here we go again. But sometimes somebody will actually have something different to say, and if you're tuned out, you're going to totally miss it. Now, what I think is, is really interesting here is look who's speaking. Yeah. A selective listener is just going to pick out, they're going to get the bits and pieces that, that, that they're interested in. Forget the rest of it. And most of it's going to go in one ear and out the other. Um, there are some people you don't want to hear and 
that they just don't want to hear anything disagreeable or upsetting or anything that doesn't line up with what they believe. Um, but sometimes we just need to get other people's perspectives. Um, sometimes uh, people are, are hard of hearing. Sometimes they have a selective hearing. Sometimes they can have uh, another challenge like you were just talking about. Then we can have the defensive listener that's going to twist everything into a personal attack on themselves. Now, you remember I spoke yesterday about this couple uh, that was in the class I taught at Berrien Springs the first time I, I taught any Master Guide stuff down there, and there was this couple that was teaching down here. When this slide came up, she opened my eyes. She said, this is the kind of thing that often happens when people are hard of hearing. That the one guy says, oh, elephants, I thought you said we were going to cross the Alps with ele elegance. Wow. Big difference between elegance and elephants. Um, I thought about pulling this slide because it's sort of making fun of people that mishear things. But I have left it in because it gives me the opportunity to point out that sometimes people who need a hearing aid and don't have it or it's not working properly or it doesn't work in the room that they're in, this kind of uh, thing can happen. Yeah. Interrupters will often spend their time forming a reply to what they hear, and they're not really that, well, they're more, you know, it's more important for them to get the reply right than, than, than to hear what, what it is that they're replying to, because their ideas are the important, right? Uh, that's nothing, you should hear what happened to me, or that reminds me. There are some people that just are not interested in communication. Uh, looking at that one, you might notice some of these slides are a little old, um, but the technology looks a little bit different today. But uh, you understand what it's saying. Be alert to body language. Sometimes you can tell a lot by, by how someone has postured themselves. Um, and sometimes different things mean different things in different cultures. And so if someone's coming from a different culture, they may not be trying to give the, the message that, that you're receiving. Uh, I think of a number of years ago, one of our presidents uh, had a shoe thrown at him. And uh, he was over in the Middle East. And uh, he, somebody just threw a shoe at him and he ducked, you know, a big deal. Uh, he, somebody was just a little bit rude. That, that was, but no, that wasn't the way it was meant. Uh, different culture, 
this one it relates a little bit more to the computer parlance. Okay. Um, be a door opener. You know, sometimes we need to give people an opportunity to, to say more. You like some of the simplest door openers are IC or you don't say, tell me more. Um, I'd be interested in your point of view. Um, tell me the whole story. Uh, these are things that can we can help uh, develop a conversation. Now this is a, a challenging situation where, where one person has a very clear idea of what it is that they're trying to say. They have a very clear picture and the receiver understands the first part of it. And then because they don't have the frame of reference that the other one does, they get lost. So, I have a story to go with this. I thought of this one Sabbath morning. Uh, we were staying in a, in a Holiday Inn Express, and I came out, and ate my breakfast, came out and said to the gal at the desk, how do I get to highway, whatever it was. I don't remember the number. Dave's not good with numbers, okay? I don't, but I had the right number. I said, how do I get to highway? Oh dear, I'm not good. I'm not good at directions. And, but she started telling me, well, you go down here so about so far and there's a purple house. And I'm thinking to myself, darkness is upon the face of the earth. How am I going to know a purple house? Right. Um, and I lost about a half hour trying to follow her directions. And I whipped into a convenience store and says, how do I get to? And, and there was a guy there who was servicing some of the vending equipment. He says, oh, you're going down to Berrien Springs. Can you, can you give me five minutes and I'll just show you? Because that's where I'm headed. Boy, was, and I tell you, I thank the Lord for that because I was doing this presentation that, down there that morning for, at, a, at, a, at a union training thing. If you have to give somebody directions, if at all possible, draw them uh, a map and have landmarks that they probably can see. And if they're going over an interpass, uh, if they're going over an, an interstate, let them know. You know, now this guy, the, our, our policeman friend here, he knows all of this stuff. He, I mean, this is his beat. He knows it. And he's got a really good map in his mind. And it's probably really, really accurate. And he, well, okay, this guy follows it to the traffic signal. And he knows that he goes through and he there's a circle-y thing, and uh, there's a railroad somewhere. Um, uh, yeah. Now, granted, this is a really tough route to follow. But if he could have drawn a part of that for him, he'd have had a lot better chance. And if you can find somebody like the guy the Lord sent for me, said, follow me. 
Um, long ago, Home Depot opened up just down the road from us. And my wife applied to work there. She was gonna be in kitchen design. And she worked less than a week and, and she discovered that even though she'd said that she wasn't available Friday nights and Saturdays, they didn't care, they wanted her to work. And when they found out she wasn't going to, well, it's time for you to leave. But they were teaching everybody, at least at that time, if somebody asks, where do I find the, you, at that time, the instruction was, take them to it. Even if it's not in your department, you take them to it. Not a bad thought. I'm seeing people, are we, are we supposed to be done? Okay. Okay. Let's go, let's cruise quickly. Sometimes, uh, we're, we, we're looking at information. Active listening talks about the feelings of the speakers first. And sometimes it's more important to catch that and, and to zero in on that. Uh, we don't have time here. Um, if somebody has a problem, uh, so like anger, resentment, loneliness, sometimes we, we need to give them a chance to say what they need to say. Two years ago, other side of this wall and in here uh, on Friday at late Friday afternoon, uh, I saw somebody that did a fantastic job. There was one person who was responsible for like a dozen projectors and a bunch of other stuff. Other people were coming in that were gonna be using the spaces and they, they were gonna just start throwing stuff in boxes. and. and, and and the person that was responsible for all of this stuff, understandably, was getting all uptight. And this young gal, um, uh, all of a sudden, she figured out what was going on. And, and the crisis actually had passed. But she figured out that she needs to unload a little bit. And she knew how to get her to do that. And because she could do that, she could get all the stuff out that needed to come. Sometimes people need to get stuff out. And so just sometimes we have to bear with them and give them a chance to get stuff out. And then they, they can grow from there. When I see the guy here that's come to pick up the recorder, I know for sure I'm over time. <laughs> so let's just have a quick word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us and the chance that we have to communicate with each other. Help us that we can do a better job of listening and communicating with each other. We ask this in thy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org